In this episode, I spoke with Maria Adoni from the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States, and according to a recent poll, one-fourth of young adults between the ages of 18 and 24 said they have considered suicide in the past 30 days. Therefore, suicidal ideation is an incredibly prevalent issue right now, and it's really important that we have these conversations in order to help those who need it. So I hope that you learn a lot from this episode and you learn more about the resources that are out there right now. Today I'm on here with Maria Adoni, a director at American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Maria, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me today. To start, could you share a little bit about yourself and what prompted you to get involved in this organization? Sure. Um, I've been with AFSP, the Hudson Valley chapter, since its inception in 2008. So I've been with them for quite a while now. Um, I actually lost both of my brothers to drug overdoses. Um, but the suicide prevention um, field completely interested me because it's why did they start using drugs? It was self-harm. And I feel that they're, they're linked together, suicide and um, drug abuse. So I'm so happy that I started with them. I've learned so much about suicide prevention and I'm grateful that I'm able to share my knowledge now with so many other people. Yeah, definitely. I think that a lot of people have been affected by this. And I think that sometimes people don't realize how like, widespread of an issue it is. So I think it's definitely very important. And could you talk about some specific projects and programs that AFSP has been involved in? Sure. Um, we, have a, we have a lot of different programs. The one that we've been using the most has been uh, called Talk Saves Lives. And I say we've been using that the most because we were able to um, do that virtually since everything happened in March with the pandemic. And Talk Saves Lives is an introduction to suicide prevention. It teaches people, um, gives them some, some statistics about suicide. So we learn the scope of the problem. We learn about some research that's being done in the field of suicide prevention. And people learn what they can do to um, help us stop suicide. So it's a great program, but we have so many that um, I think our programming could probably fill up your whole show. There's one for high school students, there's one for parents. Um, we have Talk Saves Lives, different versions of it for the LGBT community, senior citizens, a workplace for um, gun owners, because gun safety is an important part of suicide prevention. Um, since um, more than half of the suicides in the U.S. are by gun. So um, we're big on gun safety and we love to work with that community, uh, not gun restriction, just gun safety. And um, we have a program for doctors, for primary care physicians, because it's important they know about suicide um, and how to talk about it with their patients. And they also have a very high rate themselves in suicide. So there's a lot of programming yeah. uh, that we do offer. Yeah, and you mentioned research. Could you talk a little bit more about what kinds of research is currently taking place and the importance of research on this issue? Sure. Only recently has research really um, been started on suicide prevention. And um, AFSP is the biggest nonprofit funder um, for suicide prevention. 
um, research, one of the things we're looking into is biomarkers and how uh, maybe a blood test can uh, help us detect if someone is more um, susceptible to suicide. Um, some other research is, I'd have to look it up, which uh, what current research they're doing now, for um, ways to, um, for preventing it in working with those with lived experience. Lived experience is someone who has lost someone to suicide or has suicidal ideations. So if we um, learn how to work with them, that will also help prevent suicide. Um, I can send you over a whole list of, of uh, the research that we're doing if you wanted to then talk about it separately. Yeah, and I'm sure it's on, you have a lot of this information on your website and everything too. Yes. I think it's also really great how you not only have resources for people struggling with suicidal thoughts and suicide, but also family members and just other people affected by this issue. What do you think is the significance of having resources for family members as well? Oh, for those who have lost someone to suicide, we need to to help them in their grief process because uh, we don't want them to um, get suicidal ideations themselves. It's just it's a, a different you know loss than if you've lost someone to say cancer. So um, the research is helps find ways that what can we do to prevent the other family members or you know a cluster of suicides happening. And it's so important um, for there to be resources when you've lost someone to suicide. How do you deal with it? Um, they need somebody to talk to. We have a program called Healing Conversations. So if you've lost someone to suicide, you contact us and then we set up a visit um, due to COVID. Now, most of the visits are on the phone or you know through Zoom or FaceTime, whichever. But um, we set up for if you've lost a child to suicide, we send two people who have lost a child to suicide to meet with you and talk with you. Um, so then you feel you're not alone. and any question that you have is probably something that they've already experienced. And to be a part of the program, um, the volunteers have to be two years past their loss. So um, it's somebody who has lived through what you're going through. So it's a wonderful resource. I always recommend that for anybody who's lost someone to suicide to take part of that. Yeah, I think that's really important also that people realize that there's other people who've had similar experiences to them. And I think that just realizing that people aren't alone is just so important, especially in relation to this issue. It's, you hit the nail on the head. People always feel like they're alone and there's the stigma against suicide, which we're always fighting against. So um, some people may not wanna talk about their suicide loss with just anybody because they feel others will view them differently, you know, that if their loved one um, had died by suicide. So the program completely shows them they're not alone in this. There's so many others like them. Yeah, and I also it's interesting how I feel like as time's going on, there's definitely still stigma and there has been a stigma around suicide and mental health in general. But I feel like it's starting to break down that barrier. And I think that's so important, especially what organizations like this are doing for that. There is. One of the biggest uh, reasons why people may not seek help is the stigma against suicide. And um, personally, I think during COVID, the media, um, even Cuomo has done an excellent job promoting mental health, take care of your mental health, learn, um, you know, your mental health is the same as your physical health, both need to be treated equally. And we've always stressed that. Um, 
you know, if someone breaks a limb, they know they have to go to a doctor, you know, to get it fixed. But if someone isn't feeling right and they're just feeling different um, or anxiety, depression, a lot of people may feel it will get better on its own. I don't need to go to the doctor for that. And our thing is you have to treat your mental health the same as your physical health. So if you broke a leg, you know you have to go to the doctor. If you're not feeling well mentally, if it's something just doesn't feel right, you have to go to the doctor. Um, they have to be treated equally. Yeah, and I think, especially with quarantine and everything, people are starting to understand more the importance of self-care. And I think, is that, what you say, an important aspect of suicide prevention as well? Oh, 100%. We always... Um, AFSP has a separate website right now for COVID, um, a web page. It's afsp.org backslash COVID-19. And on that um, web page, it's all resources and the importance of taking care of yourself during this time. You know, do what's good for you. If you enjoy reading, um, going for a walk, um, you can't go to the gym, but exercising, whatever makes you feel better, make sure you do that because we have to take care of our mental health the same way we do our physical health. So anything that brings us joy, you know, brings us peace, make sure you're doing it on a daily basis. Yeah, and speaking of the coronavirus, how are how has the coronavirus impacted AFSP and its work and what you're currently doing? Well, most of my presentations, almost all of my presentations were done in person. Um, so we've adjusted, like I said, we're now doing um, them through Zoom. And the good part about that is it was a little bit of adjustment and I still prefer in person because I like the one-on-one -on -one with people and you could always, you know, read somebody to see how the audience is reacting to it and if they have questions. Um, but through Zoom, we've been able to, our chapter alone has reached over 2,000 people have been a part of this Talk Saves Lives presentations. And I don't think we would have reached that number um, if I had to go do it in person because people were stuck in the house and, um, if they needed things to do. When I was sending all these um, presentations out, people were responding as compared to, oh, you know, it's a, a Wednesday night, wherever. And then um, people think, oh, yeah, I'd like to learn about that, but I don't really feel like going to it, you know? So at least with this, they just went on the computer and they were able to participate in it. And it was so well received that when I did a presentation like for one group, somebody in that group contacted me afterwards and then wanted me to do it for a different organization that they're up or like the Little League parents or the PTA. So um, the word was really spreading about the presentation. Um, it did affect us obviously financially, COVID, mm -hmm. because our spring events have campus walks and everything was canceled. You know, everything was shut down and we really weren't prepared as to what do we do? How do we still keep people engaged? How do they, um, how do we keep them a part of wanting to do something for suicide prevention? So we've adjusted our thinking and um, we're able to do something now for the fall for our out of the darkness walks to get people engaged still, keep them involved. We don't want to be completely isolated. Yeah. I think um, some people, the more they spend alone, you get used to being by yourself. And then that could be, um, I don't want to say dangerous, but detrimental to your health, you know, not having that interaction with people. So you still want them to be able to socialize. And even though we couldn't socialize in person, um, you know, we encourage talking with friends or FaceTiming, whatever it is, make sure you still have that interaction with other people. Yeah, I think that's important also that people realize that there's a lot of different ways you can connect with others, even right now, even if you can't see them in person. 
Are there any experiences that you can share which really made you realize how impactful AFSP's work is? Yes, because I've been with them for going on 12 years now, um, it's amazing to see um, how much that the whole field of suicide prevention has changed and how we have helped people through the years. Um, you know, we've had people in the beginning, like when I first started, um, one person I remember, she was so um, devastated over losing her son. She, it, it was it was painful to see her. My heart broke every time. But getting involved in the chapter, being around other people who lost their children, volunteering, um, spending time with people like herself, you know, and people who were further past their loss, she is a completely different person now. She has energy again. She's um, she she's moved past AFSP. She hasn't moved past her loss, but she used us like as a as a crutch, almost a stepping stone to help her get through everything. And she's doing so much better now. And that's like that with so many volunteers um, and people I've met. They you know they come to me. I'd say when they're at their worst in the beginning, when they've lost someone, because nobody wants to go through that. They, they don't want anyone to experience the pain that they've been through. And they, um, they want to make a difference. They want other people to not have to go through this. So they help every which way they can. Um, the biggest thing is helping take the stigma out of suicide so other people are more comfortable, you know, getting the help that they need and um, being there for each other. It's almost like a little community, um, AFSP. We're really grassroots effort. Um, everyone who gets involved is because they've lost someone to suicide or they, you know, they know somebody, they've been struggling themselves. So they have that personal connection and it really makes a difference in the organization. And one question I was asked a lot in the beginning um, with COVID is, uh, will the suicide rate increase because of COVID? And based, um, based on the science that we have available, it's not clear yet how COVID um, outbreak will affect, um, impact suicide. The truth is that suicide occurs every day in our nation, and some are tragically occurring during COVID crisis, but not necessarily driven by COVID itself. So we don't know yet um, how it affects suicide. Because I, I do get that question asked a lot, like, oh, the rates must have really gone up, and, and we don't know yet if the rates have gone up from that. Um, during this time, we, you know, encourage people to stay connected with their community, um, actively managing their mental health, having open, honest conversations with um, someone you love if you're concerned about them. And like I said earlier, practice self-care by exercising, meditating, um, consuming the news in measured doses. Because yeah. I think in the beginning, people... It was very bleak, right? The outcome, everything that we were hearing about COVID and it, it was overwhelming. So um, we told people, you know, take it in small doses. Otherwise, it, it could just be too much for them. And um, and we always encourage, you know, to seek professional help if needed. Um, one thing I definitely want to get out there is the 1-800 number mm -hmm. because that's the lifeline and it's available 24-7. So if anyone is struggling, it's one 800 273-TALK, T-A-L-K. Okay. Um, we always encourage everyone, just have that number in your phone. You can talk 24-7, completely anonymous. Um, it's a great resource.
Okay, I'll definitely post it on my website and everything. I think that, yeah, I think it's really important that people just know that resources are out there when they need them. I'll give you other resources too, so you can have them on your um, website. Sounds good. For like taking care of their mental health and the importance of resilience during this time. Yeah. And what should an individual do if they think someone is struggling with suicidal thoughts or depression? How can they help? They can uh, reach out to the person, start a conversation in private, and then ask open and directly if the person is thinking of suicide. Um, I always say, bring up why you're asking the question. If you've noticed your friend has been drinking more and um, not doing their schoolwork, um, if they enjoy jogging, they're not jogging, whatever's causing you to have concern about the person, bring all of those up and then say, are you thinking about suicide? You want to ask open and directly um, because if you ask, are you thinking of hurting yourself to them? Suicide isn't hurting themselves. It's taking away the pain. So you ask open and directly, are you thinking of suicide? Um, if they weren't thinking of suicide, you didn't put the thought in their head. A lot of people are worried, oh, if I ask them that, are they going to start thinking about that now? If they weren't thinking about it, you did not put the thought in their head. Um, when you ask the question, listen to the response. You know, it's so easy to to want to solve all their problems for them, but you just want to listen to them and tell them, you know what, this is more than I can handle. This is more, you know, this is above my pay grade, whatever you're comfortable saying with, let's get you the help you need. And you can call the 1-800 number while you're with them. Yeah. Um, and the counselor on the phone will give you advice as to what to do. We always say that you don't want to miss out. You could be worried about a friend and five other people are worried about the same friend and you all talk about, you know, that friend amongst yourselves, but no one's comfortable reaching out to the person. Mm -hmm. So be the person who is comfortable reaching out to them because you may be the only one and then you could save their life. And if your friend does get mad at you for asking something like that, um, it's better to lose a friendship than a friend. Because when your friend is feeling better, they'll come back to you and they'll be grateful that you, you know, stepped in to help them. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so it seems really important that you ask them directly, like you don't tiptoe around the issue, but you also treat them with kindness and respect that you treat anyone else. I always say too, think about how you're asking the question. You can say, if you said to somebody, you're, um, say you go to somebody's house and you're starving and they give you a big bowl of pasta and you eat the pasta and you're still hungry and you want more and they say to you, you don't want more pasta, do you? What is your response gonna be? Mm. Uh, no, I'm good, thanks, <laughs> right? Because the way they ask the yeah. question. If they said to you, do you want more pasta? No one got up and was ready to put it in your dish. Of course, you're gonna, you're, you're comfortable saying yes. So if you ask somebody, you don't wanna kill yourself, right? You're not thinking of suicide. Or you're asking the question, but you're asking it in a negative way where they expect your response to be no. So ask in an open and direct, kind and caring way. Yeah. And is there anything else you have to say about how people can get involved in this organization beyond just helping one individual, even if they don't know anyone in particular? How can people help who would like to help? Oh, sure. Um, I recommend everyone goes to our website. It's AFSP.org um, because on the website, it there's sections there if, if you want to volunteer, if you're having trouble, if you've lost someone, if you know someone who's having trouble, all different avenues to explore. If um, advocacy, you know, fighting for um, 
for rights for suicide prevention. Like right now we're, we're trying, we're advocating for the um, three digit helpline instead of 911, you know, the one for suicide prevention. Um, there is advocacy volunteer work. There's local volunteer work with the chapter. Um, and then that would come directly to me because I'm the, <laughs> the chapter. <laughs> I'm the chapter contact person. But um, then we have other volunteers. If you're comfortable doing presentations, we find out, I'll, I find out what works best for you. What do you want to do? And then how we could get you involved. Yeah. And also, I think it's important to acknowledge how different groups of people are affected differently and how even though suicide affects everyone, are there any specific groups of people that tend to be at more high risk and that might need support the most? Um, well, men have a higher completed rate for suicide, but women have a higher attempt rate. Um, that's because men use a more lethal form um, to um, die by suicide. And then um, your age group, like 15 to 24, it's the second leading cause of death. Um, suicide is very real amongst your age group. In the United States, um, overall, it's the 10th leading cause of death. More people die by suicide than homicides and uh, war or anything else in the U.S. So um, it, it's affecting all of us. And it, like we said, it affects everybody and we can make a difference. Suicide is preventable. So if people learn how to talk to someone, how to respond to suicide, we can save lives. We always say like, just like if, if someone is choking and everybody in the room knew how to do the Heimlich, um, the person wouldn't die by choking. If somebody was suicidal and everyone around them knew how to talk to them, the person wouldn't die by suicide. We can make a difference. It's something that we can all do together and individually. Yeah, I think that's amazing that this is one of those issues where really just being there for people and supporting them can just make such a huge difference in their lives and everything. So I think that it's really important to get involved. It does, because like I said, we can all make a difference individually. Is there something you you have to say for someone who might need help right now, might be kind of afraid of getting it, anything you'd leave them with? The 1-800 number. Yeah. Give them the 1-800-273-TALK and tell them like that per there's somebody there to talk to them 24 seven. They're trained counselors. They will help you get through it. If you're not sure how to talk to your friend, you can call the 1-800 number yourself and tell them that you, you know, you have a friend in the situation you're in and they'll walk you through as to what to do. Definitely just as we were saying before, just having these resources, it's so important that people realize that there's people who actually want to help them and want to be there for them. So yeah, I think it's very important. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for coming on today. And I think that this can be really helpful for a lot of people. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thank you.